This is Prairie Roam Companion, episode 19 for August 25th, 2010. You got to pray just to make it today. Welcome to Prairie Roam Companion. This I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald, and joining me once again, Father Andrew Dickinson. How are you today, Father? I'm doing very well, Dr. Bergwald. Ready for the mass of humanity to re-arrive at SGSU for another exciting year of classes and hopefully growth in grace. Descending upon the university this weekend, I believe, correct? Yes. Well, already in descent, uh, the uh, the advanced parties are arriving, <laughs> and the main uh, the main forces, I believe, will be uh, reaching the beachhead sometime Saturday morning. <laughs> the, the recon elements have arrived. Uh, yes, and the main forces coming behind them. Well, um, God bless you this weekend, or well, well, all the time. But as you prepare for the onslaught, the invading horde of 18, 19, 20, and 21, 22-year-olds, Father. Um, what we're going to bring do... Bring them then, on. Bring them exactly. So what, what Father and I thought we might be helpful, sort of last week in the, in the last podcast, um, we sort of talked about why, why our faith is important to us and how it matters in our lives. That is Father's life and my life. Uh, and what we thought flowing from that, what might be a, a helpful uh, topic um, for, for the podcast is the question of prayer. Um, and, and, and again, sort of following on one of those questions, which is so central to the lives of both of us, not just in matters of faith, but in all aspects of our lives, why pray? Why, why ought we pray? We uh, Christians, and certainly uh, Catholics among them, um, are taught uh, to pray from very early ages, in, in, so, in most cases, the vast majority of cases. Um, but why do we do that? You know, especially, Father, you're talking about the, the college kids who are about to descend upon you. Um, you know, that age, especially when they're going out on their own, they're leaving home. Um, I, talking, thinking back to, to my own experience, as I mentioned, going to college, I didn't have a life of prayer going in. And that's one reason I think why my, 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 the practice of my faith did not continue, um, uh, at least when I began college. Um, so why do we pray? Uh, and, and Father and I, when we're talking about the question, it's so important to, to, to answer a question of why you need to understand what it is that you're asking to begin with. Uh, and, and, and so what is prayer? If we, if we want to know the question, to answer the question, why should we pray? We need to understand what prayer is. Um, and, and, and that does seem to be a question maybe that's worth beginning with. And so the way that we thought we would proceed uh, as we prepared, as we discussed this this podcast, is we'd use um, one of the church's official documents. Um, many of you are probably familiar with the Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, which came out in 1994. More recently, uh, back in 2005, the church came out with the Compendium of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is sort of a summary document um, that's that's in question and answer format. Um, in, in which the content of the catechism is represented um, in a much more succinct version. Uh, and again, this is put out by the Holy See by the Vatican, um, so it is, it is a completely authoritative source. And what we thought we'd do, uh, flowing with this whole idea of question and answer, um, is offer, w- w- I'll read a question from the, cat- from the compendium uh, regarding prayer, um, and then what its answer is, and then, and then I'll, I'll turn first to Father uh, to offer his own comments, and then anything else that I add, have to add, and we'll proceed that way. That sound good to you, Father? That sounds excellent to me. Can I just give one of my favorite bits of trivia about the compendium 
uh, compendium of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Please. It is a rare document in that it was presented to the Holy Father by the head of the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, but it wasn't accepted until, but, but it was accepted by Pope Benedict, who right. was Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, because typically a document like this, uh, the, the Vatican Department that was working on, whoever's in charge of that department would present that to the Pope, and so they presented it to John Paul II. He didn't have a chance to accept it uh, before he uh, passed away, was born into uh, God willing eternal life. And uh, so then Pope Benedict, when he uh, assumed uh, or received uh, the papacy through uh, the conclave, uh, he uh, uh, was unable to accept it. So it's kind of just a little nerdy uh, footnote. Things that bring me great delight in this life. <laughs> it is. It is. I am a those... sick man. <laughs> well, well, we won't go that father. But that far, <laughs> father. But uh, it is. Yeah, that is one of the funny things. I'm glad you brought that up because that is uh, interesting quirk about the compendium, so to speak. So, uh, so the the section on prayer begins with exactly the question: What is prayer? And here's what the compendium says. And then, as I said, we'll, I'll turn first to Father to offer his thoughts um, in elaboration on the text itself. The compendium says, Prayer is the raising of one's mind and heart to God, or the petition of good things from him in accord with his will. It is always the gift of God who comes to encounter man. Christian prayer is the personal and living relationship of the children of God with their Father, that's Father with a capital F, with their Father who is infinitely good, with His Son Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit who dwells in their hearts. Father, any thoughts on that answer to the question, what is prayer? It's a very rich definition, and it's something that'd be worth, uh, if you have a copy of the Compendium or to go online, you can just do a little Google search, Compendium of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. You'll find it on the Vatican website, except no imitation. <laughs> and uh, it'd be a good thing to, to read over and to look over uh, here in that uh, paragraph 5, uh, or question, I should say, 534. Uh, but just even looking at the very beginning of it, that prayer is the raising of one's mind and heart to God. The raising of one's mind and heart to God. Uh, it's, it's so easy sometimes in our day and age uh, to get just trapped in a man-made world, trapped in that man-made world of my cell phone trapped in that man-made world of uh, Facebook or some sort of chat like that, trapped in my man-made world of my job. You know, I've got to push this widget and do this, uh, perform this doohickey and uh, file this TPS report, and we can get kind of trapped into that man-made world. And so as a Christian, you know, we do have to raise our hearts and our mind to God uh, in that sense. So it is a raising, and, and with the whole notion of raising, there's a sense of lifting, of effort. Um, which I think becomes all the more important in our daily world. Also, we think about it in terms of uh, uh, mind and heart. And so this is both an intellectual and an emotional thing uh, for the Christian. It's not that in some way maybe our mind is at war with our emotions, although there is tension from time to time. You know, St. Paul will talk about uh, Romans chapter 7, I do not do the good I want, instead I do the evil that I do not want, and I hate it so but that both mind and heart are raised to God. And sometimes one might be more active than the other. You know, some of us might pray very emotionally. You know, there might be someone in your parish or maybe yourself where you pray with great tears or great joy from time to time, just kind of going through those strengths of emotion. Or you might be someone who prays 
on a little flatter emotional level, but with greater intellectual curiosity. You know, you're reading Thomas Aquinas and the Summa for fun, and you're not a nerd uh, or a theologian like myself or Dr. Bergwald. You know, but you're hungering after those things. But maybe you don't get that same movement of emotions. And they're both okay, but both of those aspects of our humanity are called uh, to God in prayer. And I can keep going on, uh, on this. It's just a matter of how long Dr. Bergwald will let me, unless he wants to in intercede some questions in this. But uh, the, more, the more that we look at this text, uh, Dr. Bergwald, I think just the richer it becomes in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and I think um, along the, the, the same line, well, well, later on in the answer, it, it talks, you know, we, we talk about raising the mind, the heart, and then it talks about the personal and living relationship. Um, and I know that you're going to want to speak to this yourself, but th that's that's a part of it that really struck me just personally, uh, because I think for me, for too long, even after, I mean, until, you know, maybe just a few years ago, although I know that that's true in my mind, but in my heart, the center of my being, prayer too often um, became a rote exercise. Um, the saying of certain prayers that I learned when I was young, uh, that's not what it is. Christian prayer, the compendium tells us, is a personal and living relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, and I think that 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 it, it's I'm stating the obvious. That's so important to remember. That's that's crucial to remember um, because this is it, it's about relationship. God desires a relationship with us. He comes as the previous sentence tells us. Prayer is God's gift to us first, and then we respond to it. Um, so we enter into um, this personal and living relationship with God. It's, it's not just a matter of saying things. It's, it's if we think of our loved ones, um, that, that, that's, yeah, go ahead, Father. I, I, th I think a beautiful thing with that is it might sound, uh, you know, Dr. Bergwald getting a little emotional for a nerd, uh, talking about the importance of that, that personal relationship, that personal interaction uh, you know, maybe sounding a little bit like uh, uh, the preacher on uh, WNAX uh, on the radio station on a Sunday morning. You know, you got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But I wish I had a southern accent. But <laughs> the uh, it's it's true. This isn't uh, some uh, emotionalism or some defect in Christianity. If you look, you know, the very idea that we are a Trinitarian faith, that God reveals himself in a personal way as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which uh, this uh, paragraph, this answer from the compendium uh, concludes with, right? And very, being very pointed to talk about relating with God uh, as their Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit. Very pointed on it. So this, if we're relating to a person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right, with a, one God, three persons, uh, we must also be relating in our own personhood. You know, God loves Dr. Chris Bergwald in his personhood and who he is and his humanity and all those things about him. One of the de delightful things uh, the catechism points out about the Our Father, if you look at the actual catechism, when it talks about the Our Father, is that God wants to know about uh, all of these uh, little individual things of our life. You know, it, the, the petitions of the Our Father can get almost mundane at times. All these things are gone on in the world, and you're asking for daily bread? You want me to ask for daily bread when there's other things going on in this world? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Because the Father, uh, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the power and, and the Holy Spirit who, who dwells in our hearts uh, through baptism and confirmation, 
desires to know those things about you. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I think we need to, especially as Catholics, I think it's so important to remember this, that it's not just some evangelical Protestant view that we need to have personal relationship. That's the heart of Christianity. It's just that maybe others are a little bit more vocal about it than we are. Um, but, but again, this is, this is drawing right from the church's authoritative teaching documents um, on, on what the nature of prayer is. So I think, you know, in hindsight, Father, we could probably have spent all day on this article itself, um, but we probably should move along uh, so we can give some sort of general introduction um, to what, what uh, the, the catechism uh, or the compendium is telling us. So, I apologize for my nerdiness. You need not apologize for your nerdiness or anything else, Father, but thank you. So the compendium also talks, and the catech following the catechism, talks about the essential forms of prayer. Um, the, the, the different things that we pray about, so to speak. And the way the, the, the catechism and the compendium break it down is um, there's prayer of blessing and adoration. And this isn't, by the way, for those of you who have pulled out your compendiums by the time you've been listening to this, um, this is 550 through 556 in the compendium. Um, there's blessing and adoration is the first form of prayer. The second is petition. Third is intercession. Fourth is thanksgiving, and fifth is praise. And then Father and I also want to talk a little bit about um, another form of prayer that, can, the, that that's not included here, but it's certainly part of the, the Catholic tradition, which is the prayer of sorrow or contrition, sorrow for our sins. So if we go back, uh, beginning with what the compendium says about blessing and adoration, um, the compendium tells us, blessing. what is blessing? The answer is, the prayer of blessing is man's response to God's gifts. We bless the Almighty who first blesses us and fills us with his gifts. And then we give adoration before I uh, throw it to Father. How can adoration be defined? The compendium says, Adoration is the humble acknowledgement by human beings that they are creatures of the thrice holy creator. Holy, holy, holy. Father, any thoughts on either of those two question and answers? Well, there seems to be a wisdom uh, from the church in this, uh, not unexpected in putting blessing and adoration together. If you think about it, it's that basic attitude, they're, they're calling to mind that basic posture, the fact that we are creature, he is the creator. And that humility of realizing that puts us in that posture where we must always turn to him as creator, where he has given us all good things. This breath, okay, this uh, uh, way that recording a podcast, the way God manipulates electron or created electrons so that we could manipulate them in such a fashion. Uh, it's a miracle to be gift, and for that we bless him and we adore him. Uh, although I think there's a small nuance. Blessing is kind of in that acknowledgement of God's gifts, um, whereas adoration is simply that love of God for who he is. Right. Um, as uh, There's a wonderful little book called The Wisdom of the Pavarello uh, from the 1950s uh, about uh, St. Francis, the little poor one, Pavarello. And in there, there's a line that says, God is... And that is enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that adoration, sometimes I think it's easy to think of adoration as blessing um, or even thanksgiving. You know, we praise you, God, for everything that you give us. Da, 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 da. And we do that. We bless him. We thank him. But you just do it to adore him as the creator. Um, God is God is God and I'm not. He is the creator and I'm not. I'm the creature. Uh, that, it, that, that has to be. And then I, I think sometimes... 
um, that can be a form of, of prayer that, that is maybe a little bit easier for us to forget about. Um, sometimes we need to be reminded about both blessing and adoration, but adoration in particular. So um, petition, uh, the, the compendium, the question is, what are the different forms of the prayer of petition? And the answer is this. It can be a petition for pardon or also a humble and trusting petition for all our needs, either spiritual or material. The first thing to ask for, however, is the coming of the kingdom. Any thoughts, Father, on that answer? Well, if you think about it, that catechism is uh, essentially stating, uh, taking, the, taking the idea of petition from the Our Father, which uh, in the catechism, well, of course, the Our Father is the prayer uh, par excellence. It's the prayer that Jesus taught us. And uh, so, of course, the primary petition there is for the coming of the kingdom. Thy will be done on earth as uh, the kingdom come, thy will be done, uh, which is, of course, the, uh, uh, the, the second petition of the Our Father in that sense. Right. Uh, and so uh, very important in that sense. Also, uh, it's, it's good to notice that uh, if you were like us and you read through uh, their, their list of petitions, or pardon me, their list of the parts of prayer, or the forms of prayer, and you said, well, wait, where's, you know, where's contrition, where's sorrow? You know, that very much is petition, because we're asking God to, to forgive us our sins, right. right? Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. That is a petition, in many ways, uh, one of the primary petitions of our life, as we realize our own weakness, our own faults. Right, yeah, I, I just, you know, as I was reading that too, I was like, oh, well, there it is. Um, they, they did get it right after all, Father. I, I you know, I don't know. Uh, Allow me to delete that letter I was writing to the Holy See. <laughs> Precisely. Uh, but also, I think uh, it, it, it was odd, though, I think, to us, just that, uh, I think, because there is a focus in the devotional life of prayer on uh, confession and that reemphasis on confession where. Uh, it seems for us that confession, you know, as they say, communion lines are long and confession lines are short. Uh, so it seems natural to, to look for uh, that uh, enunciation of a prayer of sorrow or contrition all unto itself. Absolutely. And so it also, that, that definition answer also refers to um, humble and trusting petition for spiritual or material uh, needs. Um, and I think that humble and trusting is, is a good reminder that certainly there's we can pray for things that 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 we feel we need to pray for we ought to pray for for the various needs that we have, um, but but from an attitude of of humil both humility and trust humility I think in the sense that this is not maybe everything or, or I I don't know everything I don't know if this is exactly what I need. Heavenly Father, I ask you to, you know, maybe grant this prayer. Uh, give me these these things that I need, in a sense. Uh, but nonetheless, Thy will be done. Humble, but also trusting, um, trusting that God is our Father and He will provide uh, that which we need. Uh, Father, maybe a, a, a verse from the Gospel come to mind for you there. Yeah, definitely uh, from the Gospel of Matthew. In that, uh, also in Luke, but uh, where uh, our Lord says. Which one amongst you would give his son a snake when he asks for a fish or a stone when he asks for a loaf of bread? And if you who are wicked do this, how much more will your heavenly father give to those who ask? 
Right. So, so that, that, that trust that we have in our father, in, in God, the father as our father, um, that, that he will offer us those things. So moving on, um, the compendium next moves on to intercession. And what does the prayer of intercession consist? And the answer is this. Intercession consists in asking on behalf of one another. It conforms us and unites us to the prayer of Jesus, who intercedes with the Father for all, especially for sinners. Intercession must extend even to one's enemies. Any thoughts, Father? It's very important uh, that intercession in that we are taking part with Christ's own intercession, most perfect intercession uh, with the Father, that he allows us to take part in that. Uh, thinking back to uh, Colossians chapter 1, where St. Paul says, In my own suffering, uh, I make up for what is lacking uh, in the sufferings of Christ for his body. In that sense, so that intercessory prayer, taking things on for others that we're allowed to do that, in fact, encouraged to do that. Um, and then, of course, I think the hardest lesson of all of prayer is praying for one's enemies. I don't like it. Right. But yet, our Lord gives us that example on the cross, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I think it's just helpful for us to remember that God is the Father of all, even those who don't know him, even those who reject him. He remains their creator. He desires to enter into that relationship with him. And so by by by, by asking that we, uh, commanding that we pray for our enemies, I think it's helpful for us to, to remember that beyond our differences, as significant as they may be, beyond all of them lies the fact that we are all human beings, men and women created by a father who decide, who, who desires to enter into them, uh, into relationship with all of us. A good example of that, of, of praying uh, for, uh, even though this might be our enemies per se, is there is a, a well-known public atheist, a, uh, I believe it's, is it Christopher Hitchens? Yes, yeah. Uh, cancer. And God bless him, uh, but, uh, and of course he's, you know, doesn't believe in God, uh, but that there are Christians that are uh, praying for him earnestly and heartfeltly uh, for uh, his cure, for his health, uh, but also uh, God willing for his conversion. And, uh, and that's just what we should do, and, and not in a way of gloating in that over them, but uh, in simplicity of heart. Exactly. And I think you're in not in any way gloating. I mean, Christopher Hitchens has said some terrible things about Christianity, about various people, but uh, we're called, of course, first of all, to forgive him for that insofar it impacts upon us. But secondly, as you said, to, to, we should have always have been praying for him, but certainly at this point when he's undergoing, uh, when, when he's suffering from the disease of cancer. So uh, the, the, the next form of prayer the compendium addresses is Thanksgiving. When is Thanksgiving given to God? The church gives Thanksgiving thanks to God unceasingly. Above all, in celebrating the Eucharist, in which Christ allows her to participate in his own thanksgiving to the Father. For the Christian, every event becomes a reason for giving thanks. Any comments, Father? Um, many to be had there. I think uh, what caught me in, uh, in hearing you proclaim this text, in a sense, and reading it out loud, Christ allows her, allows the Church to participate in his own thanksgiving to the Father. Going back to the very beginning, uh, back on... Uh, paragraph uh, five or question 534 of uh, the uh, compendium where it said that prayer is a gift of God. Mm -hmm. And so Christ gives us this gift. He allows us to participate in his own thanksgiving to the Father. Uh, and to remind everyone out there, make use of your uh, parish priest and masses. Uh, have masses offered in thanksgiving for different things. Uh, thanksgiving for someone's life. 
for their, their repose and death and thanksgiving for gifts and blessings that you received in your own life, the birth of a child, a marriage. Uh, make use of that powerful prayer of thanksgiving uh, of the Holy Mass. And I, I, I think it's... It's far too easy, speaking for myself, to forget what a gift the Mass is and to give thanks for exactly that fact that we can even participate in Christ's own thanksgiving to the Father itself is a great gift and beautiful mystery um, which we can praise God for. And speaking of praise, that leads me to the, the, the final form of praise which the Compendium addresses. It asks the question, what is the prayer of praise? Praise is that form of prayer which recognizes most immediately that God is God. It is a completely disinterested prayer. It sings God's praise for his own sake and gives him glory simply because he is. Before, before I'm going to jump in real quick. That, that last part, as I was saying it aloud, that struck me. We're, we're simply praising God, not, not just thanking him for what he's given us, not just asking for things, but Praise God for who he is and give him glory because he is. God is God. That just strikes me. Go ahead, Father. I, uh, uh, to me, again, I, I was thinking to myself, well, I kind of jumped the gun in my answer in adoration. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's, 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 in that sense, it's the most radical form of prayer, maybe one of the hardest ones to enter into because we have to actually know God for who he is. To know him and his attributes, and his mercy, and his forgiveness, and his power, and his justice, and his majesty, and all these uh, beautiful things. And then in that, just to simply praise him for who he is. Mm -hmm. uh, praise, him for, uh, praise him that he knows what he's about. You know, pr a prayer of praise might be one given uh, when maybe things don't go your way. You know, and you have to praise him just because he's God and you turn something over to him and it wasn't the way you wanted, but he knows what he's about. I think there of Job's prayer, um, which I can't remember right now. <laughs> but at the beginning, must be a Catholic. I must be, where, where he talks about, you know, uh, Father, how does it go? Um, Nick. Naked I was, uh, well, look it up, those of you who are listening. Naked I came forth from my mother's room, and naked I shall uh, return to the Lord. The Lord give, and the Lord taketh away. away. Blessed, Blessed be, be the name of the Lord. Exactly. The Lord gives, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's yeah. Although technically, according to the compendium there, Dr. Birdwell, he'd be making a prayer of blessing and not necessarily praise, since he did say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's a very nerdy distinction to make, Father. But that you're it is. You're Moving on. Moving on. So... That's the forms of prayer. And just in the couple of minutes uh, th that we have left, we want to talk um, briefly about the different expressions of prayer that the Catechism and then the Compendium talk about. And those expressions are vocal prayer, meditative prayer, meditation, and contemplative prayer, contemplation. Uh, this is 569, 70, and 71. And just real quickly, what is how can vocal prayer be described from five, question 569? The compendium tells us vocal prayer associates the body with the interior prayer of the heart. Even the most interior prayer, however, cannot dispense with vocal prayer. In any case, it must always spring from a personal faith. With the Our Father, Jesus has taught us a perfect form of vocal prayer. What strikes you about that answer, Father? It's human. It's a human answer because we're humans and we should pray as humans. We don't pray in a disembodied way. Yeah. And also uh, a beautiful uh, phrase from a particular devotion that I use sometimes is called the Akathist hymn of the name of Jesus, which comes from 
uh, Eastern uh, Catholicism, where it says that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ took on human ears so that he might hear our voices. Mm. That is beautiful. Well, it, apart from just adding to that, maybe um, vocal prayer, I think that's one of the great gifts of prayers like the Our Father is that certainly we should pray extemporaneously, sort of just whatever comes to mind, whatever comes to heart. But by having these beautiful uh, prayers um, in available to us in the treasury that's available to us by having these prayers available to us it allows us sometimes it allows the 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 oh the words to lead our mind and our heart pope benedict talks about this in his book jesus of nazareth how by giving us the 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 various um formulaic prayers the church has given us a gift jesus has given a gift certainly with the our father where it, that can lead our mind and our heart sometimes when we don't you know, we don't really, the words aren't coming to mind. What should I say in my prayer? These, these formulaic prayers that, that in vocal prayer can help us, lead us into greater um, internal interior prayer in meditation and contemplation. So in that, also in that context, I think, Father, um, devotional and liturgical prayer. Um, devotional prayer, things like the Our Father, liturgical prayer, certainly Mass, the other sacraments, Liturgy of the Hours, uh, these are all various forms of vocal prayer, and again, it's not just the lips; it's the mind, it's the lips and the the heart. It's 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 the body and soul together. Um, these are all forms of vocal prayer. Go ahead, Father. Here at the Newman Center, we have college students who like to pray uh, night prayer and uh, morning prayer. There's different groups, probably about oh twelve to twelve to fifteen that'll regularly come for morning prayer, and around fifteen or twenty they'll come for night prayer each night. One of the students was just saying to me that he started praying the Psalms and the Liturgy of the Hours. He thought, wow, this is, this is kind of dramatic, isn't it? It's a little exaggerated. But he said as he, as he went through the cycle of the Psalms throughout the course of last year and prayed them, it, it took on greater depth, greater meaning in his life, getting to use someone else's words to pray for his own feelings, for his own emotions of things that were going on in those times. And that reminds me, the, the, the late, well, well, you as a, as a priest are obliged to pray Liturgy of the Hours. It's not obligatory, obviously, for lay people. However, the church highly extols the practice of the laity praying the, the Liturgy of the Hours. And, and sometimes that can be daunting, um, but there, there are so many ways. And I think, again, your parish priest can be a great resource on how to enter into, as a layman or laywoman, um, a simple form of praying Liturgy of the Hours. Uh, and and the, the next expression of prayer, which the catechism, the compendium and catechism speak about, is meditation. What is meditation? Meditation is a prayerful reflection that begins above all in the Word of God in the Bible. Meditation engages thought, imagination, emotion, and desire in order to deepen our faith, convert our heart, and fortify our will to follow Christ. It is a first step toward the union of love with our Lord. What strikes you about that, Father? Well, with the, the whole idea of it being a first step in the sense of that uh, converting our heart, fortifying our will, uh, touching uh, thought, imagination, emotion, and desire, the whole aspect of the human person. Meditation is, is very wide-ranging in that way and very good. And also we can find meditative aspects to our prayer in some of those liturgical prayers we talked about before, the Mass 
is a meditative experience. You know, it's repetitious in that sense. Why do we have to pray the same thing every Sunday? Because you didn't learn it last Sunday, buddy. I still haven't learned it. Right. That's why we keep going back to uh, the prayer of the Mass, the prayer of Jesus Christ on Calvary, the Our Father. Uh, and so it's it's very important to think about about the discipline of prayer, the study of prayer, that it has to be something that's attained. You know, thinking back to uh, uh, the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time, uh, and our reading from the letter of Hebrews, where uh, St. Paul is talking to us about discipline, that God disciplines those whom he loves, that all discipline on the outset seems a burden and not a cause for joy. But this meditative prayer as a life of discipline, uh, through the scriptures, through the mass, uh, through devotions like Liturgy of the Hours, becomes that real school of holiness wherein the fruit of the Christian life is grown. Exactly, and, and and you know, mass um, of course begin well, not just begins. Sat, mass is saturated with the Word of God, Scripture, and that's another thing that struck me about this definition, uh, this answer to the question. Meditation begins above all in the Word of God and Scripture, and oftentimes when people are being taught uh, meditation, it's it's you know begin with Scripture. One thing that that uh, my spiritual director, very helpful, uh, just a little hint on how to do this, um, recommended to me some months ago. Um, at Sunday Mass, be attentive, and this helps especially if, you're, if you're, you, you make time to read the reading in advance, but be attentive to, particularly with the scripture readings, but maybe any, any part of any of the prayers of Mass, um, some word or phrase or sentence that strikes you, that really sticks out, because that will happen if we're praying Mass attentively um, in, in, in the, the readings, something will almost always strike us. And that can be maybe obviously not right in that context, although it's possible, but certainly throughout the following week, um, we can pray on that particular word or passage or sentence as a form of meditative prayer. And it's certainly much better than contemplating what uh, Snooky said last time on Jersey Shore. Exactly. God, Father, I'm glad you're sticking up with pop culture for those college kids. What? <laughs> So the final four expression of prayer the Catechism talks about, what is contemplative prayer? Remember, and as Father pointed out, the compendium notes that meditation is the first step towards union with the love of our Lord. This first step is completed in contemplative prayer. The compendium tells us, contemplative prayer is a simple gaze upon God in silence and love. It is a gift of God, a moment of pure faith during which the one praying seeks Christ surrenders himself to the loving will of the Father, and places his being under the action of the Holy Spirit. St. Teresa of Avila defines contemplative prayer as the intimate sharing of friendship, and this is a quote from her, in which time is frequently taken to be alone with God, who we know loves us. That's a lot there, Father. Anything strike you in particular? An interesting thing is uh, them using that quote from Teresa of Avila, uh, that great uh, founder of the uh, reformer of the Carmelite orders, uh, which time is frequently taken to be alone with God who we know loves us. If we go to some of the saints who have entered into some of the heights of contemplative prayer, we find that consistent theme of that encounter with the love of God. Uh, I was thinking about some phrases before we were beginning uh, this podcast, uh, uh, despite some of my answers we do we plan some things out, uh, you know, and uh, uh, there's a, a wonderful quote by uh, uh, Cardinal Newman. It comes to my mind, John Henry Cardinal Newman, uh, to, to be beatified this September, I believe, the 19th. 
sedatives beatification. And uh, uh, the, the whole idea there, he says, cor et cor loquitor, heart speaks unto heart. Mm-hmm. Heart speaks unto heart. And that, that deep communion, you can think about that even in terms of a human relationship. When you have that sort of friend uh, where you spent enough time with them, uh, might be a spouse, might be a really good friend where you're both committed to virtue, committed to the life of faith, the growth and grace. And in that relationship, you know what the other one is thinking. And there's a union of heart and mind and a, a desire to chase after, seek after the same good things of this world. Uh, that yeah, and 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 what strikes me well again it goes back to what we said at the beginning. It's it's that relationship that we're entering into. Um, that definition, heart speaking to heart. It's um, it, well, it's it's relationship. Um, what is prayer? It is relationship with God, um, and contemplative prayer. Just to, again that we could spend significant time just unpacking this 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 definition um, and comparing it as you said to other things which other venerables and then beatified uh, uh, beatified and uh, canonized people have said uh, throughout the history of the church um, any any thoughts in wrapping up father I mean this is a lot to to digest fortunately if you if you listen to this obviously nobody's listening to this live so you can pause it and chew on the great wisdom we have imparted to you. Um, but any, any, any way, Father, that you want to, in a pithy manner, perhaps, summarize what we've said? Well, I think, going back to our original question of why pray, and the reason, of course, of, of why to pray is because it's good. It's good for you. Uh, your heart was made for this. God made your heart for prayer, for communion with himself, uh, all the more perfected in the fact that God became man. God became one of us. God took on a human heart, human imagination, human intellect, human will. He took on all those things to be sanctified and to show us how to live uh, with them. To me, that is the biggest why pray. Now, on the practical side of things, aside from that relationship, you need to pray for that spiritual guidance. You know, so many of the college students here, what am I doing? What should I do with my life? Where am I going? And also to always remember that this, this vision of Christian prayer and this uh, personalism of Christian prayer is really what sets us out, uh, sets us apart uh, from the other, uh, even from the other monotheistic faiths in many ways, is this emphasis on this personal prayer. So claim that heritage, make use of it, don't throw it away like some sort of inheritance tax. Beautiful, Father, thank you. I, I, what came to my mind that how to summarize this? Um, there, uh, a brilliant, oh, well, just a brilliant thinker, M.C. Hammer, once said, "You got to pray just to make it today," um, and so that's what I fall back upon. But we do. I mean, we, to make it, to, I mean, to really to live life to the fullest um, in the way that God desires, which is with Him at the center. We need to pray to to live the that deep Christian life. Um, so remember that if nothing else, you got to pray just to make it today. Uh, I hate to really make that the tagline for this episode, but I think it probably will be the title. So, uh, father, thank you once again for joining me this week. Um, I will and try- thank you, Dr. Brookwald. And if they did pause this podcast to chew on it at any point, I think they just spat out some grizzle with the MC. <laughs> Maybe they did. Maybe I'm dating myself, but that's okay. 
So that's it for this episode of Prayer Home Companion. Once again, my thanks to Father Andrew Dickinson, and we will be back with you next week. God bless.